Welcome listeners to Dark Tides, a weekly improvised audio drama series that uses role-playing game mechanics. Chester, <laughs> you ruined my I take. I was being good this time. I didn't say anything. I didn't interrupt. I was just trying to get my tea. This podcast is a garbage fire. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got patrons now. It proves otherwise. Chester moved one piece of paper and it like knocked everything down on the desk. Welcome listeners to Dark Tides, a weekly improvised audio drama series that uses role-playing game mechanics. I'm your host, show creator and narrator, Aubrey Lydon. Now this week, this week for reals, uh, gonna have to bring that content warning back. Um, Sing it. Rap it. I don't want to rap it, because I also can't do that. Get down, Aubrey. Here we go, now. Content warning. Super down lamps. Um, yes, this is a very light-hearted way to tell you that this episode is not going to be light-hearted. My main point of inspiration for this next episode or two is Dead Space. It's sci-fi horror. So if those things are not good for you, and they're not good for you, by the way, d- don't if listen. If you find yourself in a sci-fi horror situation, get out of there. Go home. Go back to Earth. With me, as always, are the lovely and opinionated cast... Chester Lydon and VJ Ingate. Am I the lovely or the opinionated? I w- didn't say either of you were. <laughs> Hello. Either of those things. My name is BJ. I play Alistair Stern, a 19 year old emo with no friends and no job security. Chester's moving his book again. Ali works as a night watchman doing odd jobs for his father, the man, while in his secret, in his spare time, secretly pursuing his true calling as an amateur cryptozoologist and detective of the supernatural. Hello. How you going? It's your turn, Chester. Uh, hello, my name is Chester Lynn and I play Ernest Marsh, a lifelong Boy Scout and nature enthusiast who has been given a chance to fulfill his lifelong dream of becoming a park ranger in the Hookbar Archipelago. This has led him to said Hookbar Archipelago. All right. Thank you. Thank you. No more messing about now. All right. Let's jump back in. Mr. Pop. You are floating in the depths of the ocean, very, very far above you. You can still see the dappled green blue of the surface below you, about another 40, 50 meters down, is the reef and what remains of the split fin gouged into this reef rock formation. Around you, spiraling around is this gigantic behemoth of a sea creature. Its head is the size of Uncle Marv's boat. It has no eyes, but just feelers that spread out like a network across the water surface, feeling for changes in temperature and movement. 
Its mouth is this hideous maw of serrated tiny teeth in row upon row upon row. It has two large tusks at the front that look as if they're used for cracking open armored prey with a pincer at the front. It is gliding silently through the water around you. You're in sort of maybe a 20 meter diameter space and this thing is looping itself round and around you. You have no idea where the end of this thing is, by the way. It just keeps going and it is just creating a wall of itself around you as it is pinning down exactly where you are. Uh, Alistair's freaking out, obviously. He looks up at the surface, he looks over to Ernest, he looks at the, he's kind of like moving very quickly of like all the adrenaline that's suddenly in his body and he's just thinking to himself, he's like, I don't think there's any point running to the surface because by the time you get past its head, it's, we're just basically it's suicide mission but he's also looking at the teeth and the gouged open <laughs> split fin Erst moves his hand out just gliding it through the water and closes his hand on Alistair's wrists and holds his other hand out in a palm and looks at him trying to like steady him okay Alistair like sees that you like you can feel how tense his arm is and he kind of, the arm doesn't tent, doesn't loosen anymore, but he looks at you and he kind of seems a little bit calmer and he nods as like a, okay, what do we do? Uh, Alistair, roll for me. Five. Okay, even though Alistair is battling to stay focused on the current situation, parts of his mind at the, the very back of his brain, he is having flashbacks of a childhood memory of things in the water of the feeling of something brushing past his foot of the face of a child he once knew disappearing under the water. He knows this is not the same situation. He is in control, but he cannot push those images uh, out of his conscious mind. I'm going to say you're grabbing my left hand mm -hmm. and my right hand is still on the crossbow and I'm kind of like looking between the hand that you're holding and the crossbow in my other hand. And it's like, I know that there's no point shooting at it. Like, Cognitively, Alistair knows there's no point shooting at it, but the memory pushing at the back of his brain is telling him, hurt the creature, attack the creature, kill the creature. And he's like trying to decide what to do. And I'm gonna give you like, maybe I'll just say one action before I shoot it, yeah. shoot at it basically. Ernest kind of pulls on Alistair's wrist to kind of pull him in front of him as going to grab his other hand and look him straight in the eye and is going to try and use his kind of mind power thing to try and calm Alistair. Okay, that's a an unorthodox use. Normally... So what he's, he's going to do is he's going to let Alistair into his mind into a happy memory of Ernest's. Right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have Ernest roll. Um, the, the higher you get, the more of that memory gets through, is the way that we'll say it. The more that gets through his adrenaline and okay. his defenses that's a 10 all right that's a, a good deal of that memory comes through tell us what the memory is so the memory kind of rolls back through uh almost kind of like pumping blood through Ernest into alistair and it is a memory of uh, Ernest sitting with his brother edgar as his uncle edgar did i say uncle or grandfather doesn't matter it's you said a family. uncle yeah his 
his family member uh, Edgar teaching Ernest how to light the fire, like light a fire, just with a flint and steel, and Edgar joking about making Ernest light it with two sticks. And Ernest being like, I could do it. I could do it. <laughs> so is the is the grandfather or uncle also named Edgar? Yeah, yeah. You might just need to differentiate. I think it was grandfather. The grandfather, yeah. It doesn't doesn't really matter that much, but the grand, yeah, the grandfather is named after. Okay, sure. I just no, the, the, his the, brother is his named, brother after, named the after the grandfather. Yep. yep. All right. So Alistair, you have this sensation. It's a little bit like something at the back of your mind is tipping backwards. You almost feel like your balance is off put, even though you are underwater and. For a second, you think maybe that's what it is. And then you do feel a warmth and the smell of pine needles and the smell of smoke. And you hear the echoes of laughter as you get an impression. It's it's difficult to say. It's more like a sense memory. It triggers something without you even really seeing it. You catch little glimpses of that moment in your mind. Uh, so, Ernest, you... You don't know whether it's, and neither does Alistair, whether it's the fact that you've just taken hold of him and looked at him, or whether it's the mem- the happy memory, or whether it's the shock of this thing suddenly happening, or whether it's the juxtaposition between the warm fire and the cold water. You, I, Alistair doesn't know what it is, but his breathing kind of slows down. You can see the bubbles coming out of his rebreather are like slowing back down a bit. And he kind of like stops tensing, looks at you again, like more clearly his eyes aren't darting around inside his mask anymore. And he looks at you and kind of like, oh, right. Okay. Ernest uh, takes one hand off Alistair and mimics like an up and down motion of breathing and does one big one up and reaches over and switches off his own uh, like valve of the the air to stop the bubbles going up mm-hmm. and he's going to point at Alistair and still holding on his arm is going to start using the weight of the canisters to slowly drift the two of them down okay. towards the, the yeah, submarine. The okay. Um, Alistair's going to realize what you're doing is like hide in the wreck. At least that's how he's in- interpreting it. And he kind of takes him a second to get his breathing under control, but he kind of figures out what you're doing and like, lets you take him and he starts gently swimming as well down towards down deeper into the. all right since i did actually say that the creature is effectively blind it is using um sensors i'm going to roll to see if it can track the movement it's been following which is you two as you drop down you it's hard you can't really see through your goggles well enough peripherally to tell exactly what it's doing you are fighting both of you to stay focused on where you are going and on not making too much movement and on staying smooth. And both of you lose track of exactly where this thing is. It is huge, but it blends in so well with the murky Mm. quality of the water down here that it did take you a long time to realize you basically swam down into the center of where this thing was curled. Now, as you continue dropping, you can see that winking red light from inside the wreck. Are you heading for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. As you uh, drop down, you pass splintered pieces of steel embedded in the stone around it. It's hard to tell whether this was 
put there by force or if it landed there and over time has become stuck fast as sea life has sort of fastened it there. As you drop down, you can see that the split fin is big. It's far bigger than what you would expect a normal submarine to be, maybe three times the size. Not in length, but in its sort of volume. Right, okay. It's also a slightly different design. It is very sleek. It's very uh, cigar-shaped almost. Comes to a, a point at both ends. It's hard to see exactly what its method of propulsion was considering that is the end that is pretty much obliterated. As you begin to descend towards the actual opening of the wreck, this cave mouth, both of you feel a change in the current pressure as you are pushed forwards a little. And as you turn to look, you can see that the head of this creature is now coming down directly on top of you. basically bearing it's spiraled up and now it's coming down and you're going to both roll to essentially escape from it into the wreck wow, before okay. it and it's going to roll we're going to take into account all right you dart in as this thing picks up genuine speed it moves like a flash and it strikes down as you dart into this steel shell of the split fin you hear the scrape of its tusked teeth into the metal and into the stone as it dashes past you it sort of hits and recoils off and pulls away and for a solid minute you just see a wall of dark blue gray flesh moving past the entrance to this cave as it moves out of sight and eventually there's a flick of a tail the size of a house, and it's gone. I was just going to switch back on this water, on his uh, air, and start breathing again. <laughs> yeah, Alistair's just like, he's all of it, because he finally got to relax, and then like immediately just instinctively all of his muscles turned on and he just like died for it. So he's still like very tense and like gripping your hand or your wrist or whatever and his crossbow like very, very tight. All right, so what do we see inside of the, uh, the split fin? All right, you are basically in this sort of cave entrance of metal. All around you, this wreck has been reclaimed in some senses. There is algae and sea life. There are bits of coral that have grown into the wreck. Uh, you can see that this is probably a home to a lot of different undersea life now. But still here in the wall of steel, you can see this was probably once a room of sorts. And there is a heavy door here with a dimly blinking red light above the door. It is an old-fashioned crank turn open door. You can see this is probably a form of pressure lock. Okay. So you could manually open this door. Okay, 12 again. Uh, so despite Alistair's being very overwhelmed with adrenaline and fear, 
um, the image from his dream of the red light blinking seeps through all of that. And just the immediate thought that he has, despite all of the fear, is if there's a light, that means there's electricity. If there's electricity, that means there's probably air, because the electricity's probably not going to work underwater, and this part's flooded. So his immediate thought is there could be air behind that. I don't know whether we can get out yet. I don't know how much air I have left in my tank. Maybe we should try and open that in terms of air, and he's going to check his gauge, his um, oxygen gauge. Uh, roll a d20 for me. 11. Right, you've got about half the tank. Okay. You realise you've probably been breathing quite heavily the last few minutes, so you've used more than you probably should have, but you've definitely got enough to make it back to the surface from here, but not a lot else. Okay. Alice is going to tap his tank. This is interesting, communicating without talking. <laughs> He's going to tap his tank, look at you, tap his tank, point to the door as in like there's there might be air in there and then shrug and then point up to the surface and then make like snake fangs with his fingers it's like there's definitely air up there but also death as well (laughs) (laughs) Ernest points towards the door as well and starts to swim towards it okay right you can give me either a solo or a combined strength roll to see if you can get the door open combined strength yep so I'll take your added number. So That's a four as well. Yeah. All right. Okay. Eight. It's a success. It It is difficult, but you manage to get this door open. Um, you wind the, the crank of the door and you can hear or rather feel the vibration through the water of uh, internal bolts moving. And as you heave, you actually have to put your feet on the wall itself and heave back, putting all of your leg and back and shoulder muscles into freeing this door from its internal seal. And you realize as you do that this is because of the internal air pressure. So as you pull it, the water floods in and you basically can now swim inside and Again, there is a red light inside here flashing that is giving you a little light. You also have your your torches on your your apparatus. As you go in, you realize that this is a depressurizing room. This is a room where divers would be able to leave in and out of the ship. So it's an airlock, basically. It's essentially an airlock. Okay. Do we now need to get this door closed very quickly? Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> Roll to close the door very quickly. I got an eight this time. I got a one. Uh, That's a nine. It's still a nine. Yeah, you managed to pull close. It, is, it has almost in completely filled with water now. Okay. Like, that's just the nature of, yeah, you know, the way things balance themselves out. But that is also the point of this room. You pull it close. Uh, This is a small room, almost closet size. You can see that there are spaces on the wall with racking where there would probably at one point have been diving suits and other things. You can find that there are bits of material and stuff now floating uh, near the roof, which perhaps also one day would have been part of those diving suits. The room itself looks fairly untouched. It has been sealed. Uh, and you can see that there is a large um, 
lever set by the door. I was just going to look at the levers, look at Alistair in like expectation, like when we usually do the technology stuff. See, he's not doing anything. Well, alrighty. He's going to pull on it. Alright, you pull the lever down. It's not a massive lever by any means. It's not a big industrial thing. And you pull it and there's almost no seeming change. And then there is a strange gargling sound that turns into a chugging, then a chugga, 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 as vents in the floor of this room and in the walls open very slowly uh, because the hinges are not being used for a long time. Uh, and the water begins to drain away, and within a couple of minutes, you are standing in a mostly uh, water-free room as pressure and oxygen is actually restored. Ernest switches off his uh, air canister and right. pulls the thing out of his mouth. <laughs> Ocean! Alistair's going to do the same, and he just coughs. <coughs> Okay, okay. Yeah. Alice gives a thumbs up. <laughs> Alice gives a shaky thumbs up. He's like, I don't know how we're still breathing, but, uh, all right. Why did we come down here? Uh, what are we actually looking for here? Other than the fact there's a submarine here. Alice is still kind of like gripping the floor of the room they're in and like breathing. He's like, uh, Laptop. Something. Uh, Maria. Um. Maria, the laptop. Something. Wilbur. I don't know. It. She knew it anyway. She'd heard of it. And so that meant that it meant something. So we were right about what we heard from, from the place with Herb, that it's connected somehow and that maybe it's connected with, with, with Wilbur and and the the uh, tech stuff she was uh, she was looking into, um, but I mean I guess we've proved that it's here. So Ernest uh, kind of laughs to himself a little bit and then holds out his hand to Alice and says, "Hey, look at us! Right about a few things at least." At that point, yeah, there so. is a a metallic buzz like a bell going off, and the same vents that uh, drained away the water now open again and the room begins to fill with a uh, stinging, viscous spray as you are disinfected. Oh! Ow! The, uh, the fresh cigarette burn on Alice's hand is really quite painful now. Mm. The red flashing light turns green. Yeah, it's just a constant green. Oh, okay. Ernest is going to try the door. Hey, um, thanks. Hmm? What, what for? With the... Up there. Oh. Outside. Thanks. That's, that's right. I... Yep. I don't know what you did, but I think I needed it. And I'm going to help you with the door. Alright, uh, right. roll for me again. Gosh, these doors and their rusty. Imagine the bits. episode just ends. It's like, oh, we can't get through the door. Okay, back out to the snake we go. I got a nat twelve, so uh, five. But right. doesn't matter. Uh, this door is not as stuck as the one before because you're realizing now, ah, it doesn't have the water pressure on it. 
but you, it is difficult. You manage to pry it open. And I should mention, because the entirety of this vessel is jammed into a crevice in the ground between pieces of a reef, none of these rooms are actually stable and flat. They are yep. all sloping downwards, so yep, cool. it's difficult to keep your feet. You open this door and you move into a slightly larger space and you realize that this is probably a storage room. Again, there is um, just a red flashing light that is very dim above you and your harness torches. You can see aged pieces of uh, gear hung up in racks, these sort of uh, metal cages used to contain diving equipment. You can see all sorts of things that are recognisable, but definitely older versions of some of this gear that you guys are familiar with, pressure hoses, uh, diving masks, this sort of stuff. One or two of them have actually broken open and there are bits of gear scattered around the ground. This room is quite small as well, and you can see this is probably the place where people would suit up or down before entering the pressure chamber okay. uh, and moving through. Uh, there is a door here, but this one is in fact uh, open. It's just swung open and there's uh, relative darkness beyond heading are there any, further down and in. Are there any windows? No. No. Okay. You are in kind of in the center at the moment of this uh, okay. yep. vessel, so you're not near anything like that yet. Alice is kind of kind of... It's, his brain's kind of coming back to him. He's like, so, hang on. There's power down here. Mm-hmm. Electric eels. <laughs> I could... Yeah. Or giant eels. We know that. We know <laughs> that one. I was wondering how this might have crashed. I think I might know. I think know we found out how it crashed. Yeah. But it's it's been here for 70 years. Mm. And the lights still work. And the disinfectant still works. Which also doesn't seem like a very standard... I don't know. I don't know what nuclear submarines were like in the 50s. Maybe they had those. Well, doesn't don't doesn't nuclear stuff have like a half life, which is like yeah, but tens of thousands of years of power? That's the decay of the of the materials. Like the the actual generators run off steam, basically. They just use the heat from the reactors to run a steam engine. Unless you know, unless this is some other, you know, something well, else. I mean, but. it was the fifties. They didn't. They did a lot of things that weren't good for them. So who knows? These generators might be. Yeah, back when the aliens visited. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was a joke. Okay. <laughs> Not good. My uncle. Okay. Good. It's all nice. Good. All right. This guy, Alice is going to walk into the in dark the back room. in the back of your mind, Alice. So you can just hear uh, <laughs> Uncle uncle marv saying now area 51 is real but it's not an actual place where they keep the aliens underneath area 51 is the real bunker called it wouldn't be that stupid called rio tinto where they keep all of those things and the city of gold you've got, you've got some of it anyway you've, you've that, also got to look out for the vatican that's where they keep the other ones anyway have on. you ever seen the pope without his hat no because that's his brain up there <laughs> it's a big tube <laughs> they CGI out the big like like no it doesn't matter <laughs> you wouldn't believe me <laughs> do you want to redo that Ernest walks into the room but... okay, uh, Ernest walks into the, the dark room alright this as you continue on uh, you're mostly guided by your torchlight now you're realising that this hallway doesn't really have any light there is another light at the end um, 
the the hall here is fairly cramped. There is ducting running overhead and you're walking on some kind of grating. Underneath is probably more piping or ducting or something. Uh, you are having to brace yourself against the walls to stop yourself slipping and falling. You are still quite soaked and wearing flippers, by the way. <laughs> if you had not decided to take those off yet. Yeah, I was wondering if we are going to have a conversation about that. Ernest kind of uh, slowly like waddles his way down and eventually takes off his flippers and like hooks them onto his belt and turns back to Alistair and is like, well, one good thing about this, other than... Yeah, you know, the giant eel is there can't be any of those weird guys with the black mouths thing. That is true. I certainly hope not. And I also take my flippers off and I'm like, uh, Ernest, can you roll for me? Since you are leading the charge. Mm-hmm. All right. Ernest, as you are making your way down this sloping corridor, you are putting one foot in front of the other, then reaching out with your hands to support yourself and stop yourself from slipping or going uh, too fast or overbalancing. And as you do, you reach out for what should be uh, a section of wall, and instead what you touch is something soft and material. And as you grip, looking for whatever you should be holding to keep yourself balanced, you feel your hand close around something inside this fabric and unbidden you get a rush of sense memories a feeling of panic a pain in your chest the distant echo of an alarm a siren going off a choking feeling in your throat and the thought half heard half breathed maybe just internal the radiation and as you react and pull your arm away uh, you dislodge the diving suit that had been curled around one of the pieces of ducting against the wall and it clatters and tumbles and rolls and you see as it does the white flash of bone as there is a skull inside the helmet that begins to roll and clatter down this corridor. Ernest pauses for a second, kind of frozen. He's he's very terrified, but he thinks about how off Alistair has been and quickly throws our hand towards Alistair's the palm out says Ernest, you're right, what was that? Uh, it's just a just a suit. Um Okay. I think we I think we need to get get back. I think we need to get back. Get back. What radiation. Why? What? Uh both of you roll a D eight for me. Three. Uh, seven for Alistair. All right. Uh, how much you rolled, that is how much radiation damage you have taken since you've entered this hallway. Okay. Yep. <laughs> cool. This place is a death trap. Uh, Ernest kind of half pushes Alistair back through the door they came and kind of pushes him into the room. It's like, <sighs> what was that? Like 50s, you know. Half-life stuff, poison air. You reckon? Radiation, radiation poisoning. Uh, okay, uh, right, uh, radiation. Okay, well, yeah, we need to, um, should we, uh, is it, is it too late? I don't know, do we have to, do we have to leave? I, I, I don't, I don't feel well. Um, uh, Ernest puts his hand out to kind of steady himself against the wall. He's like, oh, we're, we're here, we're here, and going out isn't, 
great option at the moment. Um, Probably not. Okay. We can we can use those. He points out at the uh, what are they? The diving suits scattered around the rooms. So oh, there, this area seems suits. This area was locked off. It was like an, an air. I'm not sure if an airtight seal will do anything, but it was sealed. This room was sealed. Those should be, I don't know, okay for us to wear. They're doing better than bloody... Uh, my Hello Kitty... Uh, wetsuit. Wetsuit, that's the word. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> Thank you, voice in my head. Thank you, voice in my head. I, I guess they they might have had radiation suits on board. I well, if anything, is, it, those, is it worth like, having a look? Well, the, the older ones would have had a thicker lining, like either a canvas or like a some type of thick lining. That would do more than nothing. I mean... I don't know if that's going to do anything if we're already affected, but I, I suppose it's worth something. I'm going to put on one of the suits that's in this room of us. All right. Yep. Um, are you also putting on the helmets? Yes. All right. So you're yep. both doing sure. this. All right. Uh, you lock yourselves into these these suits. These are quite slim, by the way. They're not uh, massive helmeted diving suits. They're quite slim and they're quite... Easy to move in relatively, even though you are still wearing your your diving gear. So not Cyclops from SpongeBob. No, no, you are you are a little bit bulkier, but you are not astronaut esque in right. this. Yeah. Uh, so Ernest uh, looks at us. Okay, we're in here for f- five minutes. What are we looking for? Right. Okay. Uh, information that might help us with the situation with the lost and with Wilbur because if 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 uh if what Maria was looking into is is tied to Wilbur then she knew about this so there might be some kind of information that will help him or help us know what to do with him or know more about why the lost want him so i guess information is okay. what we're looking for second question how do we get out I find, for instance, I find a folder. How do we get it through the ocean back up there? Uh, I'm going to roll to see if my phone in... Because I'm assuming I've every time we've gone anywhere mm-hmm. near the water, I've put it in a bag. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to roll to see if it's, you know... My phone is not working. <laughs> my phone is, like, dripping. <laughs> and Ernest's phone is in his car, so as I was we gonna, established. I was like, all right. Uh, I guess we put it... I mean, no, we don't have dry suits. We have wetsuits. So I guess we memorize it. That will hold up in court. <laughs> Doesn't need to hold up in court. It just needs to help us keep the town safe. Could we put them in our suits? Well, we could try, but if... Like, wetsuits aren't designed to keep But we're not wearing wetsuits. We're wearing diving suits. These uh, have a lining. Are these... Should I roll to see if these are, like, dry? Like Yeah, no, they, they, are, dry they are full dry suits, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. We can try that. It's better than nothing. I think we should still read everything. Like, if we find anything, obviously, we'll only have a couple of minutes, but do what we can just because... Anyway, we should get going. All right. All right. What is your marching order? Who is going first? And what are you... Weapon-wise, what are you holding? <laughs> I guess it's my question. I feel like maybe would Ernest naturally go in front because... Ernest would go in front. Yeah. Ernest has his... Uh, Harpoon thing. He has a harpoon gun, yes. His harpoon gun.
you make your way back down this corridor, you get to the end and you step over the bag of what is just now bones. Uh, and you step into another cramped room. This one you're realizing is actually a stairwell. There must be at least two or three actual levels to this. So you have the option of going up or of going down. Do you know where like an archive would be on these type of things? Would they be lower deck or upper? I have no idea. I'm just going to guess lower is probably equipment and maybe more water if there's a bit of water in here. So, All right, let's go up. Up is probably a better bet. All right, you head up uh, you wind your way up one ladder and then angled to another. Uh, it is incredibly cramped. You do manage to get through without kind of knocking your gear around much. It is designed to be able to be navigated with your kind of suits on, but it's it's squeezy. Uh, everywhere you go, most corridors or rooms have that one blinking red light. So it's darkness for a second red for a second your torches are on the entire time but in the red light they don't do very much so it's only in darkness that you you get a brief glimpse of yellow as you head up onto this upper floor uh, you realize that you have basically a collapsed section of hallway not far to your right the way that you had been coming and so you think probably the crushed back end is crushed more on top and at the bottom. And so there's a door basically directly opposite you and then more of a hallway and more doors further up. I okay. just kind of shrug and I'm like, maybe we try the door close by, see if there's anything, and if not, go yep. down the hall. Okay. All right, roll for me in getting this door open. Oh, okay. One again! God, natural 12. <laughs> Alright, Alistair... I walk up, huh, seems locked. Al Ernest kicks it. <laughs> uh, is that how you want to do things? Uh, no. No, that's right. Of you... course not. Alright, tell me how you are going about trying to get this door open. What are you doing? Ernest, is there a window? No. No? Uh, Ernest is going to tap on it. And he's going to listen, because if there's water in there, the echo would be different well I tell you what because I rolled a one how about I'm not helping him I'm having a quick look down the corridor like not all the way down just like seeing if there's any door, other doors open or whatever okay. just because a one's like I'm not going to do anything to help him with the door right. Ernest you are tapping on the door you can't hear anything it sounds hollow there is a, a slight reverberating echo um, you cannot hear anything inside Alistair as you're looking down this corridor you have the uncomfortable sensation of something familiar. There are no okay. figures anywhere, nothing in the blinking red and blackness, but it's uncomfortable. Okay. Ernest is going to start turning the, the valve of the door. As okay. Ernest is turning that, roll again for me. Separate okay. check. Yep. I got an eight this time. You see something you think move. Not that you see actual movement, but in the flash of darkness, and then red, you can see the corridor, and then darkness, and then red again. Something's different. Something has moved position in that corridor. But I can't tell what. But you can't tell what. Okay. 
Ernest is gonna pause mid-opening door and kind of look around. Ah, hey, where are you? I'm holding my right arm up. What are you doing? Where? I've seen this corridor. I think. In, in like, is there a submarine Fahrenheit? Shh. What? And something moved. I, I, don't, I don't mean light. when I, I no, I, I don't mean when I saw it. I mean, just now something's. I'm gonna like take a step back towards him. Like something just changed. Alice, there's radiation poison. No, 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 I don't no, think I'm, there's any monsters that could even live in that. I don't know. It might. It might have just been. I don't know what it is. But between the flashes, I saw something change. I don't know. Maybe something fell over. I, I didn't hear anything, but. But both of you roll for me. Uh, Alistair got a three. Or oh, one. Alright. Alistair, you are already slightly All more I've got aware of this. Is twelves and ones. <laughs> As you are you turn to look at Ernest. Uh, no, I to don't. tell him this. You are looking at him out of the corner of your <laughs> yeah, eye. Okay. As he's questioning you, you do take your eyes off the corridor and look at him. And as you look back, again, that sensation, again, something something in those shadows of these cramped, uneven corridors, something has changed. Okay. Again. Ernest is going to turn his attention back, seeing nothing, to opening the door. Okay. Wait. Stop. It happened again. I'm going to hold my crossbow, like, pointed towards the corridor. I was like, normally, yeah, maybe it's just radiation or whatever, but I swear I've seen this corridor before. I, I, I don't know, I had, a, I had a dream, but I was I was here, and something very bad happened. I don't know, that, that was probably... Anyway, I just, I think we should be very careful. Ernest pauses, and then locks the door back closed and joins Alistair in the corridor holding his harpoon gun. There's nothing here. Uh, I mean, I believe you, but maybe what you're seeing hasn't happened yet. As you're looking, you can see no more movement. Nothing seems to be shifting. Okay. Can you remember seeing if the doors were open? Um, no. All I remember is there were people in the room not like the two of us like i didn't i didn't recognize them they were like lots of people like i don't know five ten i I don't remember figures anyway maybe maybe not people and something else was in the room with them and then they saw i i don't know i just it's not it's not clear i just i had this dream this morning and I was, it was, it was here. That's, I don't know. Ernest kind of strides past him back to the, the door he was before and is going to half open it and nod at the, the harpoon gun and then nod at the door and he's saying, well, we're, we're burning daylight. And he's going to choom, open the door. <laughs> As the door opens, this is not a door like the others. It's not sealed in the same sort of way. This corridor would be its own sealed unit. And you would know just from common sense, 
probably different sections of the ship have seals that are meant to prevent whether it's a, a radiation leak or whether it's water water leaks or anything like that. Or fire, for example. Or fire. Internal doors are not going to be always like this. So this one swings open much easier. And as you step in, what you do notice is a smell. It's something musty and organic in a way. It's not unpleasant, but it's strange and it feels wrong for where you are being surrounded just by metal. As you step in, there is no blinking red light in this room. You step in and you realize that you are in a room of bunks. This is probably a sleeping quarters. It's kind of a thin room, uh, T-shaped. You are stepping in in the stem of the T and then it branches left and right. And in that hallway, left and right, running across the room, there are bunks. So as you begin to move in, I want you both to make an investigation roll. I'm going to stay outside. All right. Another seven. Uh, Alistair gets an eight. All right. Um, Alistair, looking in, you can see that there are particles, maybe of dust sort of floating in your uh, the beam from your torch, whether it's you've disturbed a room that has been closed this long mm-hmm. and maybe things have rotted down, whether that's blankets or whatever, you don't know. Ernest, as you move through, you realize that you're walking now on the ground. This seems to be more like mold on the surface, like a thin layer of black mold. As you continue deeper in, you're looking, this mold is on the beds and on the sheets, as if there was water in here that's now turned to mold. Uh, Do you continue searching in? What does it smell like in there? Ernest doesn't turn back. Make another investigation roll for me. Oh, ten. Ten. You, on a, a whim, you kind of reach out for one of the bed clothes, and as you pull back, you realize that this is actually stuck, and directing your flashlight directly into this bunk, you can see that the bedclothes are fused with a growth of mold that is crept from the bed up the wall, under the bunk, and continued up the ceiling. And with a 10, you can see fragments of bone in that mold. Ernest kind of looks at it and holds back a wretch. He's... He is so scared, but he is holding on to the fact that he is, for, for some whatever reason, having to lead Alistair with this as like I've got to, I've got to do this well, I've got to lead them out type of thing. And he says, "Smells like people, right. like dead people, or just people, people. Whatever strikes your fancy." All right. Is Alistair going in? Um, yeah, Alistair's going in. <laughs> I'm going to close the, the hatch behind me, though. Okay. What? <laughs> shakes his head rather violently. All right. Alistair grips the door and thinks about it for a minute because he's really scared of the other corridor. He's like... Getting Alistair cornered. Holds out his hand. like, just stay there. Don't close it completely. <laughs> Alright, I, I open it, like, half a foot. Don't let it close. 
don't let it be closed. Alistair didn't think of that. <laughs> he nods, he's like, right. And I'd stay at the door, like, gripping it. Okay. So just Ernest is exploring. Mm-hmm. Well, right. he's only going to the end of the tea. All right. As you make your way to it, so you're now in the T section where it branches left and right. Yep. And you're looking down. Uh, as you look, you shine your torch around. You can see the same patches of bubbling mold where they have grown and they are grown some in some cases in a bunk in some cases over bunks into other ones you can see that the roof has a dappling of this same thing you would actually say there is probably a red light in there somewhere that is completely covered in mold and unseen okay Mm -hmm. um roll for me it's another 10 another 10 um on the ground on your left, you can see that there is a human skeleton still almost together. It is fused to the wall by this mold as if whatever organic matter was on this skeleton has basically coalesced in the chest and then grown back out and fused it to mm-hmm. the wall. It's grown all the way up the wall to the ceiling and down into the ground. You can see another one further down, half out of a bunk in the same way. That's on your left hand. As you turn to your right, you can see the uh, reflective fabric of what looks like another diving suit slumped down the far end of the right-hand side. Ernest calls back to Alistair. It, uh, It looks like they died in their bunks and... This is what's left. Um, you mean the the black stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's. I know maybe the radiation is worse here or something. Okay. I'm not sure what you saw in your dream, but I don't think this can be it. No, I. They. They weren't in bunks, the people I saw, so no. As you turn to make your way back to Alistair, you are facing down the right-hand corridor where you had seen the shine of a suit. And just roll for me again. A seven. You are certain that last time you looked, that suit was crumpled against the wall. Now it looks as if it's standing. Ernest shoots his hand out towards Alistair. Yeah. Uh. Um. I instinctively open the door. Yeah. All right, roll for me. Oh, no. (laughs) I don't like this. A six. All right, the corridor is, you think, the same as before? I don't like what you're doing to us, Aubrey. Ernest is going to... Whatever it is, it's okay. You come back, the door's open. Ernest is going to watch the the suit as he starts to walk down the corridor as, like, the wall starts to, like, move to cover his vision. He's watching it. As you begin to move, you keep your eyes focused on this 
slumped suit and just before the wall moves to cut it off you see it move Ernest is going to like a sprinter off the blocks take off towards the door yelling close it close it close it (laughs) you dive for the door Alistair as you wait for Ernest you Mm -hmm. see him bolt round the corner coming towards you yep Behind him, you see a diver's suit moving like a broken marionette puppet, like it is being dragged by the spine still in it, its arms limp and shuffling, its feet moving, but almost not not in a human way. The legs do not bend that way, they do not move that way, that is no human means of propulsion as this thing flings itself around the corner after Ernest. Ernest, run! You are each going to get basically a turn now to do something before you're in combat. I'm going to, first of all, I mean, I think I would already be standing out of the way, Mm -hmm. of the doorway, like on the other side, I suppose. Yep, you're waiting in the door for Ernest to get past you so you can close it. Yep, I'm going to drop the spear gun and, like, turn so that I've got the crossbow ready in my right hand and I've got my left hand ready to like pull him out of, if I need to mm-hmm. and also so I have that hand free to close the door right so you're readying to attack readying to either attack with the crossbow or pull him out and shut the door that's what I prefer to do yep. but Ernest is just sprinting wildly but as he sprints he's just going to jam his hands into his pockets and pull out the spray and the lighter alright uh, here's what we'll do Alistair has prepared to either attack or to close the door. Ernest is preparing to get out, but is also reaching for a weapon. I'm going to say my my first priority is getting him out. Yeah, I'll attack if I have to. So what we're going to do is we're going to resolve essentially the chase between the two of us as opposed roles. If I roll higher than you, it's going to get a grab at you. So we're just going to do a straight roll for who is faster in this situation, but you are also ready in attack. So if it gets you, it will go first, and then you, and then Alistair, mm. basically. So we'll roll. As you bolt around the corner, you hit your shoulder into the wall just by sheer momentum. And as you come careening to the door, you almost make it to the threshold. Your foot is out, ready to hit the threshold of the door. Alistair's hand is out to you. You are reaching for it with one hand as your other hand is going for the can of spray in your pocket. Your fingers are centimeters apart when you feel something curl around your back leg. And then you are pulled with a strength you have never experienced. Flat, your chest hits the ground, and then you are being dragged backwards into this room. Ernest kind of kicks and yells and feels his hand clutching on the, the cold tin metal of the spray and he's going to he just turns over and turns on the lighter and jams his thumb as hard as he possibly can down on the the top button 
just this engulfing flame shoots out from it. All right, you really can't miss. You're in such close quarters. So roll a d6 for damage for me, uh, and then roll luck to see if you take any damage from it. D6 is the square. All right, so two. Two damage on the fire. Yeah. All right, and roll luck to see if you take any damage. On this one? Yep. Uh, that's a one. Natural one. All right, roll a d4 of damage for you. If I get more than a two, <laughs> that's <laughs> I mean, that that would be realistic, though. It took three! <laughs> All right, you are basically... You have hit the ground on your chest. You are being dragged backwards at incredible speed. You kick yourself up and roll so that you're on your back. You're pulling the can out. It's right on your chest as you ignite it. This thing that is pulling you, it is pulling you with one of, if you can call it, an arm. It's dragging your leg with an arm. So the mass of its body is further away than you are. And so when this thing goes off, and it goes off like a fireball, it blackens the front of your suit, and you can feel the heat, and you can feel hair on your chest singe underneath this, and you can feel its hand recoil as it burns, and it lets go of you, but you know that you have not done much damage to this thing, but it has let you go. It has dragged him right back to that T. He is about two or three meters from you inside the room it has retreated around that corner but it's within arm's reach of Ernest almost yeah cool so I was just assessing if I try and shoot it but I'm obviously not gonna bother no you cannot see it at the moment so I'm gonna just immediately sprint straight into the corridor as fast as I can after Ernest all right Ernest as you are engulfed in this fireball and then you are rolling onto your side, kicking to get away. You feel a hand around your collar and then being dragged, and you can hear Alistair's breathing. You have no idea where this creature has gone. It's recoiled, and that's good enough for you. Alistair, because you have been looking for it and you're waiting for something to shoot at, as you come around, you can see down the corridor around the corner, and it is not there. As you start dragging him back, you feel more than you see the movement over the roof as this thing is coming across the roof and drops to come down on you both. All right, so again, we're going to do an opposed roll this time between the creature and Alistair for whether it can get to you before you can shoot it. Seven. All right, you you get the jump on it. Oh, yes! (laughs) It basically, as it's coming across the roof, it's hard to know what is... It seems to have once been a human or humanoid, but its bone structure, its muscle structure, you can't tell if it's facing the roof or if it's crawling facing you. As it drops, it hangs, it drops first, feet first. Whatever the arms of the suit, at least, would tell you are arms. Uh, It clings on just a moment longer. And as it comes down, feet first for you, you have a split second where it is perfectly suspended in the air. Uh, and you click as the mechanism releases and you send a crossbow bolt into this thing. As it is beginning to drop, you essentially pin between its sh- what should maybe have been a shoulder up into the ceiling grate and into the mold there. You don't even really, it doesn't make a sound. This thing doesn't seem to have a mouth or any kind of 
vocal capability, but you pin part of the suit and this stops its fall completely, it sort of jerks and it's trying to wrench itself free from this arrow as it's trying to get to the ground. I can, I'll happily say you've stopped it for the time being, you've bought yourself a couple of seconds, you can get out into the main hallway again. You wanting to try and shut the door? Yep. Yep, just right. roll for that. As you pull this thing closed, as it closes and you feel the mechanism slot into place, you feel the entire door and the frame around it shudder as something impacts it from the other side. It okay. doesn't buckle, it doesn't bend, but you feel that impact like it's a car hitting it. Which way does the it does the door open towards us? No, it opens into the room. So you've pulled okay. it closed okay. and it's slammed into it. Yep, okay. And we lock it, I assume. Uh, this door, because it's a bunk room, does not have a lock on either side. Okay. But this thing was in there before. Yeah. So... And none of the black stuff is... None of the black stuff is out here. So it's strong, but maybe it's not dexterous. Yeah. We hope. You you hope. Okay. Ernest, <laughs> like, puts his hands on his knees. <sighs> you okay? <laughs> yep. <sighs> yep. Uh, so... That door, not a good door. Scary corridor, good corridor, we assume. Uh, and I'm going to look around me back to the corridor with the blinking light again to make sure that nothing is there. Nothing's changed. Not that you can tell. Okay. Um, I'm going to like look at Ernest and I'm like, you okay? You need anything? You all right? No more back like, Brush him down no, to no make sure rooms. that... That there's no more fire or anything on, on fire. All right. You're in this corridor. There is the ladder section to your left and to your right heading down. Uh, this is the continuation of the corridor. Okay. What are you going to do? I'm going to reload the crossbow first thing. Mm-hmm. Once I've made sure that Ernest is okay, well, okay. And I'd like you both to take a D4 of stress damage. That's probably, yep. One. Uh, Alistair takes a three. That's the least amount of damage I've taken all day. Uh, Ernest is is do he's you breathing deeply. He's processing this, and he he just has this feeling. You know what? I have dealt with worse. And he starts. And doing at the end stretches. of the day, <laughs> he start he starts stretching out his calves, and he goes. At the end of the day, yeah, not that bad. I pick up the the other the, the spear gun. Spear gun. I was like. Well, I suppose you know how to use that one. Uh, yeah. Beginner's luck, I guess. Can't uh, even use a. Doesn't matter. It's all right, man. It worked. It, it did what it needed to. Along the corridor, it let you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ernest well, hold on. Are we gonna? Are we gonna go down there? He like gestures at the other doors on that side. No more bunks. Yep. All right. Uh. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. You're heading to the right. You're going further in. All right, you continue down this corridor and you come to another hatch. You realize this one is probably one of those uh, blocked, those lock-off sections. Bulkheads. A bulkhead, yeah. Uh, it takes both of you to open this door and you, you swing it open. There seems to be no real change in here. It's just another one of these hallways and you're realizing you're probably midways down the ship by now. It's a big, big submarine. As you continue to head down, you can see that you become you come to a 
intersection essentially across ways where there is a hallway to your left and to your right and straight ahead. And of course, the one that you've just come down behind you. Alice is going to have a look at the two side corridors because I think in his mind, he's thinking we keep going straight forward unless there's something particularly that looks like we should go right and left. So I'm going to look for like, is there anything, signs, anything that would denote them as being any particular part of the ship? Uh, the one on the left-hand side is hard to see. It is dark. There doesn't seem whatever light is there doesn't seem to be working or is broken or is obscured. Uh, on the right-hand side, you can see essentially like a plaque denoting different rooms and levels. And you can see further ahead that it opens up into a wider space further down. You can see that you have been passing doors here and there that you would assume are either storage, bunk rooms... Uh, and what you can see further ahead is a door that says communications hub. Okay. I uh, just start walking straight forward. All right. You, are you making for the door or just heading in that direction? Just in that direction for now. Cause I feel like I'm probably still going quite slowly being aware of All right. what's going on. You get level with the communications hub and this is a door like any of the others. And Ernest, what are you doing? Uh, Ernest is following behind him. Kind right. of brushes off, trying to like brush off the the blackened part of his suit. All right. As you get to this section, I want both of you to roll. Oh. All right. Alistair is far more on guard. Ernest is kind of a little bit in his own head. He's processing the things that he's been thinking about and experiencing and kind of dealing with them now, whereas Alistair is on the ball of exactly what I'm facing right now. Uh, as you get to the end of the, as you get to level with the communications hub door, you get that sensation again, that something in that flickering light is changing. It only seems to change when you can't see it. Okay. I hold my hand up. Ernest, mm. it happened again. I think something moved. Did you see anything move? No, no, no. No. Okay. All the there are no like open doors, and we're not, we're not seeing any of that fungus stuff. So. Yeah. No. It's it's not that. It's I don't. And fungus isn't smart, man. Like it's not. It's not gonna be stealth in us. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I mean. Uh... Kind of chuckle, and my shoulders relax a little bit. I'm like, yeah. I guess that's true. I don't know. I. Maybe I'm making it up, but. No. 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 Okay. I'm gonna take another step forward and try and like use the light maybe i'll like grab the light on my chest to like point it into the darkness all right as you down the dark corridor or just into the darkness ahead uh straight ahead yeah yeah Ernest, as he's kind of following behind ours to fallen behind he's just gonna quickly peer down the the darker corridor that they didn't go down all right roll for me as you point your flashlight you're kind of looking to see where the red light should be to see if it's broken, um, if this section has been caved in or what the damage is. As you are looking at the ceiling, you see more of this creeping black mold and you see, in fact, that this isn't a short corridor because it's not dark because it's short or because it's broken. It's dark because it is a web clear across the corridor and fused right into the center of this off the ground you can see remnants of a rib cage and one arm coming out of this black ica web 
Master. As you turn back, Ernest, in the bulkhead doorway from the way you come is the same creature, the same smashed glass helmet with a fungal form growing out of it and the tattered front of a diver's suit. Completely silent, it stands in the bulkhead doorway. At the same time, Alistair doing his check. All right, you are looking and you're trying to you're trying to pin down what that shifting movement is, what is actually changing, because there doesn't seem to be anything in these corridors. There's just this sensation that something about them changes when the light changes, when the light transitions. You hear uh, Ernest's voice. Alistair. You turn and you can see again this creature standing in the bulkhead door. And Ernest points to the dark corridor as well. There's more. As he says this, you feel a cold prickling chill on the back of your neck and something in your senses is a smell that's familiar. You can't put your finger on it. And you hear, although you might, it might be your imagination, a rustle like fabric, like feathers. And on instinct, you turn to look back down the corridor and now you can see two more figures, humanoid, but slouched like broken marionettes in this corridor with you. You are now hemmed in from all sides. Dark Tides is Chester Lydon as Ernest Marsh, BJ Ingate as Alistair Stern, and me, Aubrey Lydon, as your host and narrator. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on iTunes. Suggest us to a friend, anyone you think might uh, like this show, if they're into this sort of stuff. Um, not everyone is. You can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com darktides. We have talked a lot about our wonderful patrons uh, in many of our episodes. Such wonderful patrons like David, Katie, Mikal, Glennis, Jackson, Spixie, and Angela. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Uh, you can go on to Patreon at patreon.com slash darktides. You can check out the many wonderful perks that our patrons uh, get access to. You can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darktidespod and Facebook at facebook.com slash darktidespod for any news and updates that you might ever want. Uh, we're also on Reddit at r slash darktides. We will see you next week with another exciting installment to see if our characters survive. Yay! Until then, we will see you next time. That's the wrong joke. <laughs>